This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Bishop Stuart Ruck. My, how we love you. How we love you, too. You've become spiritual son and daughter to Catherine and me and to this church. I speak not only from my own affections, I speak from the people of resurrection. How we love you. And how we've waited for this day. Madison, how we love you. Woo! <laughs> oh, do I, get, do I have Madison right here? Uh, and there? And everywhere? All right, Madison here, there, everywhere. People of God, what's happening today is Scott's being ordained to the priesthood, but we're also consecrating and sending out a church to the city of Madison, Wisconsin. People who have gathered together, who have heard the call of the Lord on their lives to bring the eternal, always true, always powerful, always salvific, always transformative gospel of Jesus Christ to the city of Madison. We're not just with you, you're from us. <laughs> We've got a bond that's more than just friendship, although we have that, be certain. We're in the Lord together. So thankful for the Madison folks who've been living there, who have heard the call of God. I know you represent just some. And I am proud of my res folks. So proud. People selling homes, finding new jobs. So kingdom responsive, some may view you as worldly irresponsible. Let's sell our homes, people of God, for the gospel. Amen. Let's be ready to go wherever the Spirit of God would call us. How about just a whole bunch of you stay in Wheaton, okay? That'd be great. All right. I want to give you the Word of God, Scott, this morning as you prepare to be ordained to the priesthood. You all will see that the text this morning is out of 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's, it's there in your bulletin. It's printed just read a section of that text. It's written by Paul, a bishop of sorts. He's writing it to a young priest. His name was Timothy, hence the name of the book. He says this to Timothy, starting in verse 4, As I remember your tears, we can only think that as Paul and Timothy, they were separated at this point geographically, there were tears because there was a, such a depth of affection between Paul and Timothy. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So Scott, live by fire and live as a father. Rarely is ordination talked about in the scriptures. Because while ordination is very important to the life of the church, 
it is not the most important. Unusual for Paul to define ordination as he does here because Paul's central concern are the people of God, readied, equipped, they themselves knowing how to share the truth of the gospel through a multiform ways and patterns and art and speaking and conversation. He primarily is concerned that you have the laying on of hands in your life, your ministry, in our tradition, that's through confirmation, to be empowered to serve God. But here he does rarely give us a definition of ordination. He talks about it as the laying on of hands for the gift given. The gift is the Holy Spirit. The laying on of hands bring, means that there's a combination in ordination, as there's a combination throughout the kingdom of God of the earthly, of the embodied, the hands laid with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit. Again and again, you will see the power of the spiritual alongside the power of the embodied, especially in the apex of all of that, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully God, fully man. And here we see an echo of that in ordination. Ordination is the laying on of hands. Bishops have been laying hands on priests from the very beginning of our kingdom movement. And so we do so today. In churches unknown, bishops and priests' names unknown, but his name, his name, always known. The gift of God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus' ministry was described early on by another leader as one who would baptize, who would immerse, that's what baptize means, who would immerse in fire. He will have a baptism of fire. The Holy Spirit is often described as fire, not solely as fire, but often as fire. And in this, we see that the gift of God is referred to as a flame that can be fanned. As a matter of fact, what's happened is Timothy's already been ordained. He's already planted churches as you all are planting a church. You realize you're just living out what's been lived out for centuries upon centuries. And indeed, Timothy must be disheartened. It's so hard to plant a church. It's so hard to lead a church. Honestly, even recently, after so many years of myself doing this, Catherine and I stop and we say, just for moments, should we call others into this? But we can do no otherwise. For our Lord said, come and die. Our Lord said, take up your cross and follow me. Our Lord said, even through Paul in this very chapter, suffer with me. So Timothy needs an encouragement, and Paul says to him, fan in the flame, the gift of God, the Holy Spirit. So we live by fire. Let me give an image of what the fire of the Holy Spirit is like and what the fire of the Holy Spirit is not like. The fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit is much like, let's say, a beautiful roaring campfire. How about the ridges and mountains of Tennessee? The forests, the beauty, the lakes. It's a massive fire. It's in the open air. The flames are flaming up and licking up. It's scattering darkness by its bounty of light. It's a beautiful fire. It's a roaring fire. Compare that to a gas-fed, glass-protected, flame-retardant. This isn't, by the way, to critique any of your fireplaces that are like this. It's just to say that 
it's not a good example for ordination. That's all that I'm saying. Buckets of water lined everywhere, just in case that fire might in any way get out of control. Let's, let's look at the fire in the glass. Let's turn the fire on and off, on and off. You can't control the bonfire of the Holy Spirit. How's that bonfire made? Paul says that it's made with love, which is what? The dead wood by which a fire crackles. You cannot have a fire with green wood. And now you've got to die as a priest, a priest's wife. You've got to die. You've got to lay down your life for the sheep like our good shepherd has. And when you die, you create firewood. You create that which is ready to crackle and warm and draw and scatter the darkness. It's a death to self. It's a death to the sin nature. It's a living for the spirit. It's a death to your interests and proclivities as engaging as they may be whenever they would dare take precedence over the people of God and the mission of God and the lost who so desperately need God. It's a death. And that creates a beautiful firewood stash. It's power, Paul says, which is a wind coming off those beautiful ridges. It's the wind of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is like a wind. He blows where he wills. You will not control the wind. But when a wind comes in and meets dead wood and spark, so we get fire. We get the power of the Holy Spirit. We dare not, people of God, and I speak to you as I speak to Scott, we dare not seek to control the fire, the power of the Holy Spirit. But we are called, alongside the firewood, alongside the wind, we are called to place perhaps stones from a lake as a fire ring. We are called to self-control, Paul says. Not control the spirit, but self-control, which is connected with the death of self, which is connected to love. So ring this fire, new levels of self-control, even as you have exercised them for years, will now be required of you as a priest. There are many forms of that, Scott, but one that would be very critical is the control of the tongue. For what you say and how you say it and what you write will bear even greater influence and will bring even greater responsibility. You'll have to work to control the tongue. You'll be held accountable for that by me and senior leaders in our movement, the people of God will also, and do so tenderly and lovingly, hold you accountable as they should. But as Scott is called to live by a fire, so people of God, and particularly the sheep of Christ Church Madison, so I ask you to receive the fire from your priest. I ask you to receive his exhortation from the Bible, his teaching of the scriptures. I ask you 
to take with great gravity the call to repent of your sin. I ask you to confess as he leads you in confession. I ask you to receive his passion that will only grow in this man as he serves his church. I ask you to be unsettled by his dissatisfaction with the reality that we're not yet reaching those far from God as we yearn to. We're not yet serving and dignifying the poor as we yearn to. I ask you to let him to disturb you, unsettle you, disorient you. Receive his fire. One of the most important things that a priest has to give to the church of God and the people of God must receive it as ministered with love, with power, with self-control. But as you live by fire, Scott, so live as a father. The image of fire is prominent in this passage. I realize that the image of father is implicit. But you must understand that Paul understood that his ministry and Timothy's ministry and that the ministry of the priesthood has for centuries been understood as spiritual fatherhood. If ordination is defined as laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Spirit, so priesthood can be summarily defined as a spiritual fatherhood. There's a reason why priests have been called father. I am very aware that I am asking you to trust your priest. And I am very aware of the current cultural and church crisis that we are in. But without any question, priests have abused profoundly and in ways that break the soul. This has been a Roman church issue. This has been a Protestant evangelical church issue. This has been an Anglican issue. None will escape the need for humbling ourselves and crying out to God for mercy. But I am aware, and yet I must stand on the teachings of the Scriptures that while there may be abusive fathers, that cannot obliterate fatherhood. And while there have been abusive priests, that cannot obliterate the priesthood. Instead, I say, live as a father. You know my teaching on this. Provide and protect your family. Provide for them. Provide them the word of God. Teach them the word of God. Call them to the word of God. Work till they bond their hearts with the word of God, Scott. Protect them from wolves who will masquerade as sheep. Protect them from teachings that seem so compelling and yet once properly explored are not compelling but a spiritual cancer. Provide, protect them as a father. And people of God, trust your priest as a father. Care for him. Care for Marissa. Be brother and sister to him. Be son and daughter. I can assure you personally, when I call you to trust this priest, that he's been tested thoroughly, trained extensively. 
people of God live by fire. Scott, live as a father. I conclude with this. As I prayed for you, I got a picture or an intuition of you as a priest and as a swordsman priest, which for those of you who know Scott will not surprise you at all. There's something of the swordsman about Scott Cunningham. Take the sword of the Spirit, which the Bible says is the Word of God. Wield the sword. Swing it with all your strength. Do not hold yourself back. Recognize you've been skilled and gifted to wield the sword, a holy swordsman. We love you. We bless you on this day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.